All right, let's lift our hands, pray for me. Um, let's just get a vision for what could be, man. Uh, just, just sons and daughters of God rising up in light and power and truth. You understanding who you are. You understanding how powerful you are. You understanding how great you are. You understanding what an important part you play in creation. And that Jesus came to show you you. That the Bible's there to show you you. <laughs> So open up your hearts and minds with me this morning and let's invite the Holy Spirit to come give you a download and a revelation of you and who you are. Are you ready? So, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the revelation of truth that comes by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are in us, that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world, that the hope of glory is Christ in us, that you have placed the riches of the glory of this treasure in these earthen vessels. And Father, we are asking for a mighty awakening to take place in our hearts and in our minds, that there will be an expansion of revelation, an expansion of consciousness, an elevation of who we are, a changing of our vibrations. We thank you for our spiritual team, the angels and all those from the invisible realms that support us and do things for us that we can't do for ourselves, and we release them to do their work to bring us into the fullness of what we are meant to experience in this life. And we give you thanks for it. And if you can agree with that, saints, just say with me, Amen. Amen. All right, you can be seated. We're going to talk about uh, Elijah. Elijah. Eliyah. Or as it is in Hebrew, Eliyahu. Eliyahu. My son's name is Elijah, and when I... Get upset, I say, Eliyahu? No. <laughs> Talk to him like a Jewish mother. <laughs> First Kings 17. First Kings 17. <clears throat> Verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, who is king, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. The Lord God of Israel, before whom I stand. I really want to uh, bring your attention to that. Before whom I stand. Watch this. He's standing before the king. He didn't say, the Lord before whom I stood. He said, the Lord before whom I stand. So he's in two places. He's acknowledging two realities. He's acknowledging two stances. He's standing before Ahab. But he also says, I'm standing before the Lord God who lives. Now, here's what's interesting. Lord God is the word Yahweh Elohim. Everybody just say with me, Yahweh Elohim. Now, Elijah is a compound of Eli or El, which is where we get Elohim, and Yah or Yahweh. So watch this. Eli, Yah comes into the presence of Ahab and says, before the Yahweh Elohim, before whom I stand, I'm taking over. 
I'm taking control and my word will govern what happens. See, this is exactly what I was saying a minute ago about worship. He didn't say God's word would govern what happens. He said, I stand before God and so therefore my word will govern what happens in the atmosphere. And because his word governed what happened in the atmosphere, it governed what happened in the economy and it governed what happened over the government. So here's the point. Eli Yah, who stands in the presence of God in heaven, is standing before the earthly king or the earthly ruler who has gone astray and sets things in order and says, my authority and power and my word is greater than your word. Now, forget about it as a historical event. What does it represent to us? So let's mess with the name a little bit, all right? I did Tishbite last week. The Tishbite means a dweller. Everybody just say with me, dweller. Right? And, and, and the root of it is to sit on a throne. So here's how it's done in scripture for you. Eli Yah, the dweller who sits upon the throne, stands before King Ahab and says, my word rules in the earth. Because I stand in the presence of God. Now when you break down the name, it's El, which El was, um, <laughs> should I, t- I might as well, it's a dirty little secret. Um, the Bible calls God El, and the Jews called God El. What you probably don't know is if you go back long before the establishment of Abraham and the uh, <laughs> Hebraic religions, before the life of Abraham, El was the Canaanite God. And it, he was the highest God. So Melchizedek, remember him, comes to Abram, and says he's the priest of El Most High, or El El Yon. So he's the priest of El. <laughs> Are you breathing? <laughs> God didn't just show up with Abraham. <laughs> right? But it means high. And when you add the I to it, Eli, or yeah, Eli, it means to be on high or to be ascended. To be on high, everybody say with me, to be on high or to be ascended. And then Yah, which comes from Yahweh, uh, is uh, the first part of it. And it's the Yod and the Hey. Everybody say the Yod and the Hey. It's, it's Hebrew letters. Yah. So Y-H. But in Hebrew, it's not called Y-H. It's called Yod Hey. And I, I've, I've taught before, and, and we've learned this before, the ancient Hebrew alphabet was word pictures, and it, each letter was symbolic, and each letter had a meaning. So Yod is, Yod is power in its unrealized form. Yod is its power in unrealized form. Form. And actually, you, you can find a Jewish book, uh, a book out there by a Jewish guy. It's been out for a long time. Called "God is a Verb." God is a verb, an action or a process. Because what they do is they take the letters Y H W H or Yod Hey Vav Hey, and they look at how those how that links a process of the release of the potential of the power of God in the name. That's why you could not take the name of the Lord your God in vain because you're using a process that would unlock the secrets of the universe and the potential to create new realities. Are you breathing? And it starts with power in its unrealized potential form. And Yod is a male letter. Because the 22 letters have 
masculine and feminine traits in the Hebrew. Hey is that which receives. <laughs> let, me see, let me get this right. Is the receptor and the conductor of that power. So yod is power and its unrealized potential. Hey is the receptor and the conductor of the power that's in its unrealized potential. If you want to do the whole name, Vav is that which grounds it in the earth, in the physical reality, because it's a nail. And then Hay releases and gives birth. So it's a whole process of... So watch this. You've got ascended on high, Eli, power in its unrealized potential being given to that which receives and conducts it. Is it any wonder he could say, my word will rule? It's in his name. But there's a mystery there because really what... Well, okay, so let, let me back up. So, so the name, Elijah the Tishbite, the name represents ascension, height, the place of power yet to be released, and the receptor of that power. Are you all following me? And Tishbite means one who dwells there or abides there or sits upon that throne. Now the truth is, it's not just a historical figure. See, Paul says this in, in, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, because I know some people need references for everything. In, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says this. He says, I'm a minister of the word. Everybody wants to be a minister of the word, right? But he talks in another place about handling it rightly. And he says, I don't minister the letter of the word, but I minister the spirit of the word. For the letter does what, saints? Kills, and the spirit does what? Gives life. And then he says this. He says, we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So here's what he's saying. If you stay with the letter of it, if you stay with the literal surface interpretation, well, let's don't even, let's don't even say that. Paul says there's two ways to handle the word. One way to be a minister of the word is to minister the letter, and if you do that, you're ministering condemnation and death. It's all right there in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says there's another way to handle the word, and that is to be a minister of the spirit of the word. And when you're a minister of the spirit, it brings righteousness, it brings glory, and it brings life. So you can have two ministers of the word, one bringing death and the other bringing life. One bringing condemnation and, and sin consciousness, Allah, our worship songs, or one that's bringing a release of the potential of righteousness that's on the inside of you that needs to be spoken to and awakened. You have another that, 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 that brings death, legalism, condemnation, life, glory, righteousness. The difference is letter or spirit. And then he gives you a key on how to tell the difference. He says, we all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. You read that and I read that beholding as in a mirror the Lord. In His glory. Do we need to look at it, saints? 2 Corinthians 3.18 Beholding as in a mirror, it does not say the Lord in His glory. It says, beholding as in a mirror, the glory 
of the Lord. Aaron, it sounds like you're splitting hairs. I'm not splitting hairs. Because what happens when you look in a mirror? Who do you see? Who do you see? How weird would it be if you woke up in the morning and you saw somebody else when you looked in the mirror? That analogy makes no sense. You are the glory of the Lord. And and, and the minister of the Word that ministers the Spirit that brings glory and life and righteousness is the one that can open up the book so that you see yourself in glory. Uh, Is there anybody here in church this morning? Or am I just flapping my gums? So if I just stick with the historical interpretation disconnected from who I am, I'm only ministering the letter and it's reproducing condemnation and death and defeated saints. But if you can open up the scripture and say, this isn't about Eli, Yah, the historical figure, the Tishbite. This is about something inside of me that God is trying to get me to get so that I can see myself in glory. And when that happens, I'll be transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And life and glory and righteousness and power will be released in the earth. I'm going to preach to this crowd over here. <laughs> Let's see, the goats on the left and the sheep on the... Yeah, I might just moved over. <laughs> so here's, so what, is, what is this thing with Elijah? It's actually your higher self. Everybody say with me, your higher self. Let me give you two scripture references for it. Because he stands where? In the presence of God, sit dwelling, sitting upon a throne, right? Elijah the Tishbite. Eli the Ascended One, who carries the potential for power in the receptacle to release it. You see it? Ephesians 2. I, I don't even have to look at it. I've read it so many times, but we'll look at it anyway make sure I don't mess it up. Verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Past tense. For by grace you have been saved and raised us up together. Past tense. And made us sit together. Where? In heavenly places. Why? That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So there's a you that walks the earth. There's a you that has a name and a personality and a life and a, and a marriage and a family and a job and does all kinds of different roles and whatever. That's the you that walks the earth. But there is another you that sits in a higher realm that is above time and space and is multidimensional because he does not say that God seated you in a heavenly place in Christ Jesus. One place. He seated you in heavenly places, which means that higher self is expansive is multiplied. That is the Eli-Yah. That that is the you that is ascended. That is the you that is on high. 
That is the you that receives the potential for the power of God and becomes the receptacle of it so that it might be manifested in the earth. And it is the you that is seated, that is the Tishbite, that is seated and dwelling in heavenly places. Therefore, it is also the you that stands in the presence of God. And it is the you that is the receptacle of the power of God to speak a word over the king or really over the you that thinks you're ruling your life on this earth. All right, let's do it this way. See, you've got to be able to see yourself or it's not the spirit. So the you that is in this, the, the, the you whose consciousness is exclusively in this physical body is King Ahab. Get it? And your problem is, <laughs> you've been running the show. And it's okay that you're running the show. It's not like God's upset. Oh, my authority's threatened because you're using the free will I gave you. It isn't that. It's that you have no consciousness of the higher worlds and therefore no ability to, t- to access the power of God that's available to you in order to receive it and release it upon the earth. So it is the lower you disconnected from the higher self. It's the lower you that's blinded. Now, if you go read the entire book of Ephesians with that in mind, it makes sense. Paul says in Ephesians 4, I wish that you would walk not as other Gentiles walk. How? In the blindness of their heart, in the futility of their mind, and in darkness, alienated from the life of God. Here's our problem. What does the word alien mean? Don't don't think that the guys with green heads. This is another one of those terms that probably is not politically correct. So please, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm trying to get a point across. But we, we would talk about aliens coming from like illegal aliens or aliens. What, what, and what are we saying? Right. But but the, but there. But but what we're doing and the reason it's it's become an offensive term is because we're alienating them. We're alienating them, and we think that's okay as Christians. I don't know why it drives me up a wall and back down again. But I got non-political silver, so I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Alienated from the life of God. Here's what he's saying. When the life of God is alien to you, that's not a good place to be. And we have an alien God. We say, oh, he's so holy. Oh, he's so other than. Oh, he's so much greater. Oh, he's outside of us. Oh, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Do you get it? And Paul says when you're alienated from the life of God because of the futility of your thinking and the ignorance of your mind and you're walking in darkness and the blindness of your heart, that's the old self, King Ahab. Then he says, put off the old self and be what? Renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the what? The new man after Christ. Who's the new man? He tells you in Ephesians 2. The you that's been made alive together with Christ, the you that's been raised up in Christ, and the you that's been seated in Christ in heavenly places is the Elijah the Tishbite that is you. (laughs) 
The higher one who receives the potential for the power of God becomes a receptacle for it to be manifested in the earth, who stands in the presence of God, whose word can rule. Unless you're alienated from the life of God because your consciousness. So Paul says, put off the old man and put on the new man by being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Which means in your consciousness you have to connect with the higher self who's seated in Christ. Now, don't misunderstand me. You don't make the connection when you become conscious of it. Any more than you make the room when you wake up in the morning from sleeping. You were in the room the whole time you were sleeping, but you were in a dream off doing something else. And maybe it was better and more fun, and maybe it wasn't. Just depends. And when you wake up, what happens? You didn't suddenly, like, appear in a room. You, you made the connection because you woke up and became... No. So becoming conscious of something means that you become enlightened to a reality that already existed, but of which you were unaware because you were asleep to it. Which is why in Ephesians 5, Paul says, Awake thou that sleepest, and Christ will give you light. Now, what's it mean to stand in the presence of God? Let's look at this verse. Jeremiah 23. I, I feel like I'm being, I don't know, critical or something, but I'm not trying to be like, if. All right, watch this. Jeremiah 23, verse 16. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Thus says the Lord of hosts. And we, we have to hear this. Do not listen to words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. All right, let me say it again. Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you what? Worthless. All right. Do not listen to the words of the prophets that prophesy to you. They make you of no value. People sit in churches. I, I, I never understood it. They'll sit in churches and just let people beat them up verbally. Tell them how awful they are. Tell them how rotten they are. Tell them how a other God is in them. To give them this standard that they're supposed to be living and then tell them they can't live up to it. Tell them they shouldn't be living in sin, but God bless, don't go up and tell them, hey, I lived without sin today. Oh, brother, you ought not be proud. Lying prophets that make you worthless, do not listen to them. Jeremiah says, all right, I can get off that. They speak a vision of their own heart. <laughs> we couldn't go there, but we ain't going <laughs> to... Not from the mouth of the Lord. The more worthless the preacher feels about himself, the more worthless he's going to make you feel about you. So when they're sitting there beating you up, that just gives you an indication of what's going on in their own heart and life. All right. That's a little secret in the Bible. Don't tell anybody. Just let them keep doing it. 
All right, then he goes on, he says, They continually say to those that despise me, The Lord has said you shall have peace, and not everyone, and to everyone who walks according to the dictates of their own heart, no evil shall come upon you. Now watch verse 18. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? What is wrong with our translations? Sorry, I just saw that. All right, who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and has perceived and heard, or has seen and heard his word, and marked his word and heard it? Now, in the King James, New King James, it's counsel, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, which means advice. So it gives you the idea that you're getting advice from the Lord. That is not what the word should be. What, what is wrong with our translators? You can check me out with your Bible study tools, whatever. The word is counsel, C-O-U-N-C-I-L. Like a group that comes together to make decisions. That has a voice. Who has stood in the council, in the synod, in the gathering, in the assembly of the Lord? That he has seen or heard what God was saying. All right, uh, picture of it in Job. You all know Job, right? I was always afraid to preach from Job because the Bible said that God would confirm his word with signs and wonders following. <laughs> A couple of you got it. <laughs> so it says the Lord worked with them, confirming his word with signs and wonders. So why would I want to preach about the guy who had the worst tribulation on the planet? All right, anyway. Moving right along. Says the sons of God, one day God comes and the sons of God came to him and Satan came also was among them. The sons of God were the angelic hosts. Or the whole picture throughout the Bible is of a divine council that comes together to make decisions about how the affairs are going to go in the physical reality. So a prophet is not one who hears the counsel. C-O-U-N-S-E-L of the Lord. He's one who is a member of the divine council. And that's what Eli Yah was saying to King Ahab. I stand in the presence of the Lord. What essentially he was saying was, I am a member, I am a member of the divine council. Therefore, my word carries weight. And there's another place in the Bible that we'll get to where you can see that God never told Elijah to make it stop raining. So he didn't say it God's word. He understood his position standing in the presence of the Lord as a member of the divine council and the authority that he carried, that he could cause changes in the earth simply based on his divine standing alone. To be a prophet is to be a messenger. Guess what the word messenger is? Melach, angel. But it's also used to describe the prophets. 
So from a Jewish mystical perspective, here's what happened. All, in order to be a prophet, you had to be initiated into the divine council. You had to stand in heaven as a member of the divine council before your word had any authority or credibility as a prophet. So you've got a bunch of people out there prophesying, making you feel worthless, and they've never even been to heaven, and they've never stood in the divine council, but they call themselves prophets because they can psychically pick up on the vibe you're sending and tell you things about yourself you already know. And somebody asked me, somebody that was, was trying to dialogue with me, not from here, I, I don't know where these people find me, on the internet, I guess, wanted dialogue about a word that, that God had given to them. And uh, <clears throat> I forgot where I was going with that. It's probably good. They're probably watching. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> that was a counsel of the Lord, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, right there. Thank you, Jesus. All right, uh, Psalm, 8, Psalm 82, let's just do this. Yeah, let's just do this real quick. Psalm 82. God stands... Where's that other Bible? <laughs> let's see how they do it here. Psalm 82. God, no wonder we're so messed up. Psalm 82... Yeah, this is better. All right, let me just give you an example. God's, in the New King James, it says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty and he judges, he judges among the gods. That's actually not bad. Verse 1, Psalm 82. I like this one better. God reside, presides, presides, get the, presides, in the great assembly, he renders judgment among the gods. You didn't know that was in your Bible, did you? Let me read it again. God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. What's his judgment? How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy and deliver them from the hand of the wicked. The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness and all the foundation of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the most high, but you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Did you know that was even in your Bible? God stands in the great assembly and judges among the gods and says, I said, you were gods, but you're going to die like mere men. Because why? You're walking around in darkness. All right. Come with me to John 10.
Verse 31, John 10, verse 31. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good works. They replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered and said, Is it not written in your teaching or in your law, I have said you are gods? Who's he talking to when he said you are gods? You. Okay, it's in your Bibles. I didn't make it up. I didn't get it from the Mormons. I got it from Jesus. But see, our problem is we, we're cut off from our higher self. We walk in darkness. We walk in the blindness. Of our, because we think we're the avatar. So we're cut off from that part that stands in the divine council. When Jesus said... See, the Jewish re- readers understood this. They understood... Because here's what they believed. In order to be a prophet... You didn't just get a burden. You didn't just get a goosebump. You didn't just get a vision or an image or a picture that comes from inside. You were taken up into the divine council. And when that happened, you became angelic. You became angelic. And then spoke from that place to bring changes into the earth. And that happened because of ascension. Everybody just say ascension. So if you go back and you read the ancient Jewish mystical literature, as they're ascending through the heavens, their form is changing. They are being transformed from glory to glory as they are ascending the heavens until they stand before the presence of God and behold the face of God. And then their form is completely changed. And then and only then are they the Melach, the messenger of the Lord. All right, now come with me. This is so cool. Back to this version. <laughs> Matthew, eight, Matthew 18. Oh, man, this if you could see this. Oh, Jesus, help us get a download of this. Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them. Set him. Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the middle of them. All right. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself is as this little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Then he goes on, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him. And millstone was hung around his neck, yada, yada, yada. Then he goes through that. Now watch. Verse 10. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. 
<laughs> so the Son of Man, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. So this is used to teach that everybody comes into the earth with a guardian angel. Don't hurt them, or that guardian angel is going to be pissed off. Because that, and you better know, that guardian angel is always before the face of the Father. Well, how is it guarding you then? I thought my guardian angels watched over me. He gives his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. They're distracted looking at the Father. I really believe what Jesus is talking about here is your higher self. And there are traditions that understand the concepts of the higher self that are rooted in older other versions of Christianity that call the higher self the holy guardian angel. But it's not other than you, it's you. So what if Jesus is actually teaching this whole thing about you? What if being born from above is your ability by the Spirit to connect in your consciousness with the higher self and know what going, what's going on in that realm, to be able to receive it as a download and manifest it in your physical body? Not from the book to hear out your mouth and hope something changes and nothing ever does. A connection by the Spirit with your higher self who stands in the presence of God, who's able to get a present word, who's able to receive, who who, who is able to access the potential power and become the receptacle of it. But until you're conscious, until you connect consciously with that higher you, it cannot get to the vav and the hay to get manifested in the earth. The yod and the hay is in the you in Christ. Your body, physical body, becomes the nail in the earth that is the vav that then receives from the higher self in order to give birth and manifest it in the earth. Because yod is masculine, hay is feminine. Vav is masculine, hay is feminine. Which means it's all about giving birth. Which means you need the masculine principle and the feminine principle in heaven to line up with the masculine principle and the feminine principle on the earth. And when they become aligned, then you are in the name of Yahweh, not using the name of Yahweh. Jesus never said, go out and use my name to cast out demons. He said, go out in my name and cast out demons. He goes on later and says in chapter 18, if two of you shall agree on earth, Two of you. Here's the funny thing about it. The you there is singular. Two of you, the two of you have to get together, your higher self and your lower self. And when they agree or harmonize, then it will be done for you by my Father who is in heaven. Because now the potential to receive the power of carry it has been downloaded into that which grounds it upon the earth and can then adopt the feminine principle of incubation through faith and release it in the earth. That's standing in the name. In my name, they shall cast out demons. Anything you ask in my name, I will do for you. Not with my name. Big difference. All right, moving right along. Now watch this. So what if the little child that you have to become converted to 
is the little child that is the higher self that has been born from above who is standing in the presence of God. And you as an adult have become a King Ahab who's lost the sense of faith, the sense of wonder, and the sense of mystery. And that's why Jesus says, I'm putting a child. If you've been born from above, then what he does is he places a child in your center. And says, when you convert and become like him, you enter the kingdom and become great. And this person has a higher self, an angel, who always beholds the face of the Father. And so whatever you do to offend yourself, it's better for you to have a millstone tied around you and be thrown in the depths of the sea. Because you don't realize how far you've fallen because you're disconnected from that higher self. Do not despise the little one inside you. Because if you despise him, you lose out. And the messenger to you is your higher self who always beholds the face of the Father. And if you despise that child part of you, you'll never hear You'll never be able to take the fullness of your soul's journey. You'll never learn and integrate all the lessons in this life that your soul signed up for for you to do. And you'll never be able to accomplish that which is in your destiny scroll, which is written in your soul, your unique vibration that needs to be released in the earth. Are you breathing? Because the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. See, this makes more sense. I mean, first he's talking about being great, then he's talking about a child, then he says, oh yeah, now evangelism. I mean, like, the way we do this, because we cherry-pick verses so bad, it's like Jesus has total ADD or, or, or schizophrenia. It's one of the symptoms of schizophrenia, right, is what we call a word salad. It just doesn't make any sense. They just jump from subject to subject. And So Jesus is talking about children, now, then he's talking about angels, now he's talking about salvation. No, what he came to seek and to save, that which was lost, was the connection between the lower self and the higher self. Watch this. Which of you, having a sheepfold, you have a hundred sheep, right? Let me make sure. I want to make sure. I'm doing it from memory. I want to make sure I get it right. Which, what do you think? A man has a hundred sheep, and one of them goes astray. Does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains and seek that one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that one sheep than over the 99 that did not stray. Even so it will be uh, of your Father who is in heaven that not one of these little ones shall perish. Watch this. You're seated where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not heavenly place, heavenly places 99 of you are in the sheepfold in heaven and it's not limited to nine nine is a significant number because nine is the end of a sequence that is getting ready to terminate and go higher one two three four five six seven eight nine one zero one one one, two, one, three, one, four. You see it? Nine is the end of the sequence. 
Now, in the way they do is, in Jewish thought, 9 plus 9 is 18, and 1 plus 8 is... So 99 is the ultimate number 9. The tenth part has gone astray. 99% of you is saved, but the problem is you get trapped in the ego, which is the 1% that wandered off. So what is the ministry of Jesus? To go find that part of you and bring it back into the fold and reconnect it. Watch this. To find the tenth and reconnect it with the other nine. Which is why Melchizedek gave a tenth. I'm I'm sorry, why Abram, why Abram gave a tenth to Melchizedek. Because it was all about his consciousness. Tithing isn't so much about your money. It's about being willing to sacrifice that 10th percent of you that tries to live independently of your higher self and sow it into the heavenly priesthood so that the rain of blessing can come down upon your life. So that your consciousness can be transformed. Which is why in Genesis 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision because he took the 10% of the carnal mind and he sacrificed it for the higher self, which is the priesthood of Melchizedek has come to what? Bring the water above, the consciousness above, and connect it with the consciousness beneath. You have to get the whole Melchizedek series that I did. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit was poured out from where? On high. Because Jesus, in order to seek and save that which was lost, had to reconnect you by the Holy Spirit with the you, the yous, the 99 yous, sheep, See, y'all thought I was going Pueblo on you, but I was talking about female sheep. (laughs) The Holy Spirit recovers that part of you, leads you into all truth, so that in that day you'll realize that I am in the Father, and I am in you, and you are in me. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, that shall I do for you. And the works that I do, you shall do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. And if you abide in me, Tishbite, I'll abide in you, and you'll ask what you will, and it'll be done for you by my Father who is in heaven. Elijah is you. Let's stand up. that help you this morning? Get it. Listen to it nine or ten times. You'll, you'll get it. You'll start to see it. Why is it important? Because you have to wake up to who you are. You have to wake up to who you are. you got to quit singing about how great God is and how great your sin is. And start realizing that you behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord.
and that glory is you. Open, open your hearts, open, open your hands. Jesus, we thank you that you go, after, you go after the one in us that's gone astray. You go off that ego life, that independent life, that life that's caught in darkness and bondage, ignorance, blindness. Rescue that part of us and by the Spirit reconnect us with our higher self. Lord, I would venture to say most people in here didn't even know they had a higher self. <laughs> and so, Father, we acknowledge that. We want to connect with that angel that always beholds the face of our Father. So I just thank you right now. There, there's just, the angels are doing something. That your spiritual team literally is doing something with you, many of you, a number of you right now. That, that you can't do for yourself. Some of you have been thinking you've got to do this all on your own, and you've been trying to implement and work principles and ideas and stuff on yourself to improve yourself without realizing that there are just some things you can't do for yourself. And so God sends his messengers, his malak, his, his angels. I'm talking about the invisible kind. I'm talking about the kind that go with you. I'm talking about the spiritual team that came to support you on the earth in your journey. Um, they don't only support you on what's going on outside of you, but they support you on the transformation that's going on the inside of you. And so right now, they're working on many of you. Um, some of you are feeling just like some subtle sensations. Some of you even hearing like different, almost like tones, <laughs> almost like little little R2-D2 noises uh, going on in your head. <laughs> I know that sounds strange, but it's 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 the angelic hosts around your life working to elevate your consciousness. And so we just want to acknowledge that and give thanks to our spiritual team that came with us today to help us. Just thank you, Lord. Some of you begin to feel like a warmth around your head. Some of you even beginning to feel almost like um, an oil sort of trickling down the spine. Some of you have a subtle tingling in your hands. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And we ask you to, to just throw in some grace and ease. That these awakenings can be disruptive. Lord, we just thank you for grace and ease right now as well. Some of you just like... You see flashing lights when you close your eyes and you just think, oh, that's some, something going on in my brain. But it's not just flashing lights. It's things that are changing inside you. It's like, it's like you're being tweaked <laughs> and recalibrated by heaven right now. The more you open up, the more you acknowledge that, the more you open up to that, the more it's going to happen in your life. God's going to accelerate change for a number of you. Things that you've been struggling with, trying to work out, trying to work through. If you'll just let go, God's going to accelerate the change. It's going to accelerate, speed up the transformation. It's going to accelerate the connection with your higher self. It's just going to start coming downloads from the higher self into you. That's that's the yod and the hay meeting with the vav and the hay. Come like 
John G. Lake used to talk about being God's lightning rod. For the power of heaven, the energy of heaven to flow through you. Be that receptacle right now. And quit striving, quit trying to change, become the receiver of change. Quit trying to find power, become the receiver of power. Quit trying to find life, become the receiver of life. being disconnected right now from earthly attachments even obsessions that have been keeping you your your mind preoccupied it's, it's almost like there's there's a part of you where your mind gets preoccupied with all kinds of things to keep you locked in an obsession so that you can't connect with the higher self and that's being tweaked <laughs> it's being changed it's being reprogrammed right now right now as we stand here these things are happening if you have eyes to see ears to hear and hearts that can understand Father we bless what you're doing some of you are beginning to feel lighter healthier Just keep receiving. Lord is going to start doing something with some of you that um, mm, I need to not release that. I'm going to keep that to myself. to say you can sit but I don't want to cut it short God's working a number of you the angels are working on a number of you if you, if you want or need to leave you can step out quietly but I don't want to disrupt the atmosphere just because it's time to end the service just keep receiving
Some of you, if you just right now open up your heart to the fact that you have a team, a spiritual team. Not just Jesus, not just the Holy Spirit. Other beings who serve God. If you'll open your heart to that right now, you'll begin to experience that more. They're here to serve you. They don't judge you. They don't tell you lying words that you're worthless. Okay, take take a deep breath with me. Just breathe in deeply. Hold it for a second and then let it go. Now, with intention, breathe in the new. Become the receiver of the new that's happening and then just exhale and push out the old. One more time. Just deep breath. Hold it. Exhale. Begin to open your eyes. Enter into a whole new dimension of reality for yourself. Thank you, Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to your angels. It's okay to talk to them. It's okay to get messages from them. What good's a messenger if you don't talk to them? God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for coming today.